You want to go ahead and talk? <laughs> Say, you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. No. Do it. No. Do it. <laughs> Say, you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> <laughs> This week on the podcast, we speak to a reviewer and editor, Robert Caulfield on Word Bros. Ow! What's up, everybody? My name's Bob. And I'm Kevin. And we are the, the Word Bros. The heavy hearted, sad, sacked, the somber Word Bros. The somber Bros of Words. <laughs> As we found out, yeah, and this is the highs and lows of it, man. Last week while I was on vacation, right before I left for vacation, uh, Full Moon Fredo, I sent it out to a publisher. They told me it would be about on their website. If you don't hear anything two weeks, consider your book rejected. I am a crazy person. I check my email when I have pitches out every 45 seconds, which doesn't make it any easier. It just drives me insane. You can ask <laughs> Ask Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of funny because I get a text message every like 15 minutes. I, nothing yet. <laughs> That's what it would say too. It would say like I'd be at work and I'd be doing doing something and I'd look at I'd, I'd feel my phone buzz in my pocket because in some stores you're not allowed to have the phone on you. Like you're not supposed to have your personal cell phone and it buzz and I go oh, well I'll check it in a second. So I go and then when I when I get done doing what I'm doing I check my phone and it goes nothing yet. And nothing then, yet. 15 more minutes pass and another buzz. And I'm like, I'll check it in a second. Nothing yet. (laughs) (laughs) It drives me crazy. I want to know. I need to know. Um, But while I was on vacation, uh, we got an email back from the publisher saying, hey, man, this is kind of cool. We like this. Um, If we do sign it, we have some notes that we would like to shoot your way. What do you think? And so we took those notes and I said, okay, cool. We'll look into it. They wanted a title change uh, because they felt the chip was the most interesting most interesting character in the book and a new cover to kind of emphasize that. So uh, being the dudes that we are trying to break into this industry, when a publisher tells you something, you do it. Um, Uh, And we did. Whether you you agree with it or not, um, I didn't disagree with it. I thought it made a lot of sense. The notes we got were sound. Yeah, they were good notes. They gave us good notes. We we can't say anything bad about this publisher. So the publisher was fantastic to us. Gave us some good notes, so we made some changes. uh, Sent the whole book over, and then just today we found out that they liked the new cover that we were talking about. They liked the new logo we were working on, but they said, unfortunately, they don't think this book would fit in well with their roster. Which and, and that happens. So and, and I believe I believe Curtis Blow said, and these are the breaks. Break it down, <laughs> break it down, break it down. And that's the business, you know. Like I when I read the email this morning, I was pretty bummed. I'm not gonna lie to you because th- there's the excitement of, yay, this could actually happen. To oh, this isn't gonna happen because we could still do the book. And I was telling Kevin this anyway. The company we were talking to doesn't really pay. They don't pay a page rate. So if we were going to do the book, we'd have to pay for it out of pocket or kickstart it. Um, so we would have to do that anyway. 
Um, now we just don't have the luxury and the um, the shine, if you will, of a publisher if we decide to do this book without a publisher, if we want to do it on our own. Because publishing credits equal legitimacy in comics. That's just how it is. You can yes. have you can have a thousand indie Self, books. Self-published books, yeah. Self-published, but no, I mean – that doesn't mean well. Technically, it means something. So don't. I, I don't want. I don't want to say that doesn't mean anything. Um, it means that you're a self-starter and you can do it. Um, just keep doing it is what I would say. Yes. If, if that's the route you have to go, because eventually someone will have to sit up and take notice when you get to a certain place. Yes. Um, if you keep doing it um, and and consistently build your fan base, someone will have to sit up and take notice eventually. Um, and then but, by that point, you might not even care because you'll have your own. Yeah, shit. you might have given up by that point. So the the other thing is stick with it if you're going to go that route. And the other the, the the thing that we're talking about here with with this uh, publisher is it it's not necessarily that a, a publisher lends you uh, anything especially in this case more than legitimacy like you, you tend to look more professional yes and that's what you know, yeah that's what we're looking for you yeah. know at this level that that's what we that's what we're trying to do is is break into the comics game and uh, and through our trials and hardships maybe help you guys out in your uh, comic struggles, uh, if you will. And and if you are a publisher and you're listening to the podcast, well, why the hell haven't you emailed us? <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, lots of people can say that, but we're working on it. We're doing it. We're, we're trying our best. And just because we were rejected by one publisher, we will, I'll send it to another. And I've already sent out emails to other publishers uh, about their roster and availability. And again, it's just, it's one of those things that like you have to do your research where you're sending your book. Um, our book is all ages. This, this one, this particular project we're doing is all ages, but we have, here's the great thing about us co-writing together is, is that we have pumped out more scripts last year, I think, than either of us ever has before. Yeah. So that's that's one of the benefits that you guys might want to think about finding a writing partner if you're if you're doing this on your own, um, because I think out of everything that we completed last year, we're starting now to see fruition on one, two, three, four of the things we finished last year. We think we finished six things last year. So that's mm-hmm. like we were basically pumping out a script every two months. Yeah, that's between us writing it, editing it, sending it off to an editor. Um, so there's a lot of steps involved with with us getting to this point. So um, I think we can only the, the 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 sky's the limit, baby. If you will. Yeah, that's right, baby. So <laughs> yeah, so we get we were rejected by uh, a publishing company, but that's how it goes, you know. And you know, forward, you take you take a couple minutes, and you go, oh, that stinks. But you know what, man? I mean, at least we got the notes, and we got it's kind. Of, I was kind of making the analogy to myself today, like it was. We were taking the final shot in the basketball game. The, the, they, the point guard passed us the ball. We had an open look. We took the shot. It just rimmed out. You know? It happens. Yeah. yeah, we had the opportunity, but it just rimmed out. You know, And so we'll, we'll just keep going. Next time we go make that shot, baby. And well, another thing is that we, we, we've tried to take every opportunity that we, we get, like the DC Writers Workshop, for example. We talked about that. Uh, you and I talked about that when we weren't recording. Um, congratulations to the folks that got in yeah because uh, that that's a long shot and you and you take those sometimes we took a chance to get into that and we were rejected uh, but, but, rejected. <laughs> but but congratulations to the people that got in because when that happens you can't be mad about no, people not at all you, you've got to you've got to kind of just look at it as it's not my time yet so yeah. it's cool like that's that's basically the way when we talk about things it's like well we're not there yet but 
one day we hope to be. So, yeah. and and if you keep on hoping, keep on pushing, I think you guys will get your dreams. Keep doing the work, man. If that's the most important thing. You got to keep on doing that work. And that's what we're doing. Um, but again, there are some bumps along the road for everybody. Um, so it happens, you know? Yeah, it, it does. So we're going to talk to uh, Robert Cuffell in like five minutes from now. Yeah. So. Well, right now we're going to talk to Robert. Oh, we're going to talk right now? Yeah. I mean, what else is there for us to say? I mean, you know, we haven't, yeah, Robert's a good guy to talk to about stuff like this. Uh, he's an, he's an aspiring editor and we can't stress it enough. We do, we talk about it a lot during the, the interview. Make sure you have an editor. If you're self-publishing books, it is, it's, it'll just help your entire process along. Uh, I don't think there's any reason to wait to get to Robert. So let's just do it. All right. going i'm doing well how are you gentlemen we're always well we're doing good now robert explain uh to the listening audience uh who you are and what you do in comics and what you want to do in comics because again we're we're all trying things here we're all trying to figure it out kevin and i are in the process of figuring out our career uh people who listen to this podcast are on that same boat um you are a reviewer but there are other things you want to do in this business yes yes well, I mean, I, I think you're exactly right there. I think, um, or I know, I, I I work, I volunteer at Rogue's Portal, and we, uh, what we do is we try to be a comic book news website. Uh, with all of us working and none of us being able to be fully dedicated to the website the way we want to be, and I hope I'm not speaking out of turn. Um, we don't really report on news. What you see a lot of is reviews, interviews, um, quality. I think, and uh, basically we do movie, we do movie reviews, we do book reviews, uh, things of a geek nature that try mm-hmm. to unify and, and unite. Okay. Um, on a personal side, what I um, would like to do eventually is uh, edit comic books. You know, I, I have an English degree. I uh, I love reading. I love comic books. <laughs> Maybe to my detriment. No, no, no such thing. <laughs> no, I'm, it's just you know I, I love them so much. You know, it's, uh, pa- you got to be passionate about it. You got to be passionate about it. And um, I believe in the power of art. I believe in the power of uh, entertainment, and I, I want to be a part of that. There you go. So, what what in comic books inspired you to want to be an editor, or which editors in particular inspired you to want to pursue that? particular path in comics in case anybody else out there listening wants to get into that that's like an essay style question son there was a or in there there was a or 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 yeah you had to throw the or or (laughs) well i think um you know when i was young i was like everyone else i was just reading comic books but uh you know as you get older you you just when i was in college why the last man is what brought me back into comics and you know i've heard good things about that i've never read it it's awesome it's it's worth a read if i if you get a chance um they have them for cheap on amazon you can get okay. a nice collection um but the editor of that is karen berger and um karen berger perhaps is responsible for all the people who revol- revolutionized the industry in the late 80s and 90s she was the she was the vertigo editor correct yep. 
she was a group editor at DC before Vertigo happened. Okay. And when Swamp Thing took off by Alan Moore, and she was bringing in, she's responsible for the first wave, the second wave, and even partially for the third wave of British ex, uh, British expats who come into comic books and um, basically change the game. Interesting. So you have your Alan Moores, you got your Garth Ennis's. Um, Neil Gaiman. Yeah, Neil Gaiman, of course. I mean, like Neil Gaiman, when we heard Neil Gaiman speak, Kevin and I, Kevin was there. He was 22 writing Sandman. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, that is insane. Yeah. Yes. You know, it's like he came out fully formed. And um, I mean, just to tell you a little bit about Karen, she wasn't a comic book fan. Uh, she graduated from college. Uh, someone lumped, uh, locked a comic book on her desk and, sh- and was like, I have a job for you. And she took it. So if you look at what the, the, t- the things that she likes and the things that, um, like those old EC comics that were being published, mm-hmm. like five pagers that would tell like these crazy stories that um, are impactful in the short story format, that she basically took that, the story model that they have in there and modeled that for Vertigo. Now, of course, it took Brian K. Vaughn eight pitches to get uh, Why the Last Man. They turned from this, and this is just hearsay, she turned down Saga. Um, like, all of her, all the decisions that she made wasn't, uh, weren't perfect. Well, no, no, none of them are. Nobody yeah. ever makes all the, the, the best decisions. So. Yeah, and I, it's, it's taste. Like, you know, it wasn't, she was not trained how to be a comic book editor in, in college or anything. It's just her taste um, defined what she published and what she published has literally led the genre yeah. the last 20 years. That's fables, 20 years. fables, Hellblazer, The Invisibles, 100 Bullets, Preacher, V for Vendetta, Why the Last Man. I mean, like... Preacher! Preacher's yeah. on TV and killing it! Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. who could have predicted that? Yeah. It, well, you wouldn't have predicted it when... It, and here's the crazy thing about that. If, if you think about this, comic fans, um, when you read Preacher for the first time, you're like, they'll never be able to make this into a TV show. It's just so graphic uh, in its depiction of things. So, and that's for those of you guys that have read Preacher, you you could vouch for what I'm saying. Like the first couple times I read this, and I mean, there's a part in there where the I, I now I don't know if they did it on TV or not yet because I haven't been following the show. I've only seen a, like part of the first season, but the sheriff sticks his head up his own ass in one part of the book. Um, so I don't know how 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 at that time when that book came out, if if uh, if college me would have been saying yeah like they'll be able to do that on tv (laughs) yeah but tv itself i mean the medium has changed so much because it's gone from you know the popularity of shows like cheers and and the cosby show and mainly like comedies and like procedural police dramas er and er in the middle 90s yeah like that those were the popular television programs of the day of my day growing up i mean you didn't i mean there's no way something like that would kind of work you know the episodic kind of have to watch every show to get the whole story i think one of the mainstream programs that was the first to do that was to probably 24 that I can think of right on top of my head. I mean, every episode was just as important as the last. You couldn't jump right in because you were completely lost. Uh, lost was another show like that where, yeah. you know, just this kind of overarching plot. But, you know, uh, the, the whole medium has changed. And, I mean, there's so many platforms now. It's like, why not every – Cable network produces their own original programming. All the streaming services have their own original programming. I mean, 
You know, they're even Hulu's importing shows from England, just direct. <laughs> they're not even remaking them anymore. They're just bringing them on over, you know, warts and all. And it's, it's, it's pretty impressive to see the things that are getting made. And like Kevin said, you would, you would look at something of no way, like there's no way this would get made, but now TV is a completely different landscape. So you, what are you reading currently, uh, Robert, that you're, that you're digging? Because I mean, you have this passion for books, you review books. What are you reading right now that you really, really love? So I, I knew you. I, why did I know you had it right in front of Mr. Miracle? I knew he was going to plug that. He couldn't help but plug that. Look at his face. He's smiling so I haven't, I haven't been to the shop yet. I want to pick it up because my, my timeline is just exploding over Mr. Miracle. So, so what he, what you guys you guys can't see at home is he's holding up Mr. Miracle by Tom King and Mitch Gerards and uh, et al. Uh, who, those, else is, who else on the book? Those two dudes. It's just, it's, it's uh, basically Tom and and Mitch. Um, I think there's a color letter. Yeah, Mitch does his own pencils, inks, and colors. Wow. Okay. And wow. Clayton edits or does the coloring. So there is uh, those two dudes are like the hot guys in comics right now. Like they are it. The sheriff of Babylon kind of kind of blew them up, and now they're just they're just a machine. Like Tom King is a beast. Tom King and, did did Vision, and he did the Omega Men last year, and both yeah. were really well reviewed. Did, now Mitch didn't do Omega Man with him, did he? No, 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 that's a, that, I think that's a Spanish guy, or I'm sorry, South American guy uh, who did that. But I just want to plug another editor who was a huge influence. In sure, go ahead. Um, Jamie S. Rich. Like, this is the guy who was the Vertigo guy after Shelley Bonds. So he's the, he like, it's uh, it goes from being um, Karen Berger, Shelley Bond, and then whatever happens there at DC, um, her position being erased or whatnot. And then... They have the group editor, editor at Vertigo, Jamie S. Rich, and he becomes the Batman editor. So, I mean, like, Vertigo does nothing but pump out editors who make a difference in the industry. You look at Axel Alonso, whatever you may think of him, the guy comes out of Vertigo. So um, that's just what I wanted to say with that. He also happens to be the editor of this. Ah, Mr. Uh, Miracle. Which, yeah, which yeah. is fitting because, I mean, Tom King is the Batman writer now, so why not? Yeah, yeah and, and it's, it's crazy, man, because – I know you and Drew and you guys talk about like when you remember when Tom King was on the con circuit and he was basically giving away his book. And yeah. now, you, now you look at the guys won a, won an Eisner. He's won like, multiple Eisners. Yeah. yeah. There's and, not, but, there's, there's not a bigger name in comics. It's, it's kind of, I don't want to say industry standard because there's guys like, you know, Brian K. Vaughn and Kirkman and those dudes. But with the big two, normally the most powerful guy in comics or gal is the person writing Batman. Writing Batman. Yeah. yeah. Writing the writer and artist of Batman. The, the Batman book are normally the most powerful people in comics. Not detective. You're talking about Batman. Yes, I'm talking about Batman. Because that, that, that was the case with Scott Schneider and Capullo. They were just dominating. Like, they were just running over everybody. And I, I always thought that that's, like, the most powerful gig in comics. Because Batman is the most uh, read American comic book. You know? Everything, everything is measured in terms of Batman in terms of sales. Yeah. How much did your book do? Half a Batman. <laughs> yeah. Like you look at how people measure book sales, at least on like a monthly basis, and people are talking in terms of Batman. And it's um Bat you're I mean, you're absolutely right. And Scott, when Tom talks about that conversation that he and Scott had, um, he says, like, you don't want to be the guy who comes directly after me. And he wasn't even trying to like 
I guess, uh, pump himself up. He was like, but like after a critically acclaimed, widely commercially successful run, you never want to be the guy that come after. You, you don't want guy. you don't want to be Brian Greasy following John Elway. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you don't want to be that guy. You want there to be a gap between, you know, the great quarterback. It's it's very it's because you're always going to be compared to that person. But I think Tom's doing work, man. And I mean, he's, he's a great dude. Tom yeah, yeah, a nice he's guy. a really nice cat. We met oh. him. We met him through Daryl, um, who Taylor. was on the a couple weeks yeah. ago. Yep. So, but yes, you were holding Mr. Miracle like Mr. it is Miracle. your first, like it's your firstborn child. Well, no, I just, it is. Um, it is. He actually, he actually pumped this it is, out a second ago. The one, the one thing I have heard about the book, it's a little uh, young animaly. I've heard. I've heard it's got like a a dude, a friend of mine who's a big comic book reader. The dude, this guy has basically. Almost every DC book printed from 1973 to right now, almost everyone read it and was like, it was a little YA for me. Wow. And I, I got to disagree. The first scene, I mean, I hope I'm not spoiling anything here. And if I am, like the first page is him committing suicide. <laughs> well, I mean, you're hoping you aren't spoiling anything, but that's a spoiler, Robert. That's the first page. Yeah, I mean, there's not really much of a spoil when you open it and go, oh, shit, he's dead. Like, that's not... <laughs> It's not like it's the 22nd page. It's the first one. It's, so, it's, yeah. the, first, it's the first page. And Robert, Robert's tagline is always, I don't mean to spoil anything, but I'm going to spoil it. But I mean, what a way to grab you, right? Like that's what they always say. They got to get you. They got to get you right off the bat. And with seeing someone shoot themselves or committing suicide on the first page is like, wow, I guess I'm in here. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> who's going to see that and go, oh, I'm just not. This is it for me. I'm putting this and, down. He's dead already. And, and when you say young animals, are you talking about the um, the imprint? or Yeah, the, the Gerard yeah. Way imprint. And see. And I think people say that, and I've heard, I've heard that criticism too, like floating around online. That's it, what I'm, I just said that, and you were like, no, but yeah, 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 right? So it's, no, it's yeah, a, no, you're, I think you're absolutely right. I was shaking my head because I, I disagree with that. Okay. And, and my reasoning would be is like, the narrator in this is unreliable. And so when you give comic book readers stories that aren't uh, easily to, easy to digest, they want to compare it to the quirkiest thing on the stands. And, and most of the young animal books, they don't have... Uh, linear narrative. Yeah, you know, they're, they're things that bounce around in terms of storytelling structure, and because that, that's it's it's being it's coming out through DC. It's an imprint at DC, um, has a big name on it. It's easy to recognize, but just because it has a, a, a an unreliable narrator, I would not compare it to anything like Doom Patrol or anything because it doesn't. It's not bonkers like that. Yeah, like, Doom, I, Doom Patrol is pretty much just fucking insane. I fi- yeah. I just finished it, and it harkens back to like the Grant Morrison kind of Doom Patrol, which is I think what people want from Doom Patrol. Yeah, I, I love just, that Doom Patrol, dude. I liked I liked this Doom Patrol. I I just <laughs> finished it. I, I just finished it on vacation. I really enjoyed it. I'd say Nick Darrington, who did the cover of Miracle Man number one right here. Is, uh, <laughs> Good that, Lord. Can you plug uh, it anymore? <laughs> yeah, I don't need to, but you're right. Oh, uh, like Nick Darrington is amazing. I'm, I'm also doing a reread of the Hawkeye series, yes. um, which is the, the Fraction of AHA run. I got Why the Last Man here. Um, just finished up some Hellboy, BPRD. So, you know, I'm always reading comic books. I'm always digesting them. I'm always... Um, trying to read what I think is good comics and um, you know, good story, good art, good entertainment. It moves you. And um, the experience can be cathartic. It can, it can be changing and it, it, and it 
It's amazing. The, the worst I, thing you can do as a comic book fan or reader is just kind of flip through something and read it and go, okay, well, that was a book. And then yeah, just kind of yeah. toss it aside. Yeah. Um, I was telling Kevin and I were talking about, um, about Matt Rosenberg. And the first time I read four kids walk into a bank, I read it and I immediately read it again because it was so good. And as, and as a creative, as a writer myself, I was just like, how the fuck do I do that? Like, how do I take my work, my game to that next level? Because I mean, to read something like that, it's almost, it's almost, uh, it just, it just kind of rips your heart out as a creator. You're just like, God, that, this is what he's doing. How do I get there, man? Yeah, right. You know? And, and not only that, but Robert has an interesting Matt Rosenberg story. <laughs> Stop trying to break his balls. <laughs> well, I, I, I love Robert. He knows well, I mean, I t- you want me to tell the story? I'll tell the story if you want me to tell the story. Tell the story. It's funny. Well, I, I had no idea who Matt Rosenberg was. It was my first year at Heroes. Um, Kevin omits this part, but I'll tell him. I had spent a lot of money. Like, I had spent <laughs> so much money. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to get home. And Kevin's like, on the last day before Matt Rosenberg left, he was like, you got to buy this trade. And I was like, I was, he's like, come here, follow me. And I was like, where are we going, Kevin? And he leads me through like this labyrinth of, of tables and corridors. I have no idea where I'm going. And boom, we wind up at, at Rosenberg's table. And I'm like, who is this guy, Kevin? And he's like, he's like, it's Matt Rosenberg. You got to read this. You got to read this. And I look at Kevin. And I look at this guy who I don't know. And I was like, I don't spend like $500. I'm not buying a <laughs> And Kevin's like, you need to buy this, man. You got to buy it. And I was like, I'm not buying this good. I don't even know what it is. Black mask. It's a black mask book, Kevin. And and uh, Kevin was you know the bin. This is and this is like the really the first time I've hung out with Kevin. Great dude. He he buys it for me. Yes. And Matt Rosenberg looks at him and is like, "Thank you for buying this book for your friend who wouldn't purchase this." And so he signs it. He's like, "Thank you, Robert." Sorta. <laughs> um, and and the book the trade is we are um we can never go never home. get home again and it crushes yeah. ass like it's amazing it's so the the thing that Matthew Matthew Rosenberg and guys like Tom King have in common is they study craft like you listen to any conversation that those two guys have and all they do talk about is um how they how they read a bunch of comic books analyze the craft analyze page turns analyze how artists need to read scripts, analyze what's the most effective and evocative way to tell a story. And they've been trying to emulate that in, in their in their scripts. And you can absolutely see it. Yes. Like I was yeah. telling Kevin after I read We Can ne- not We Can Never Go Home, but uh, Four Kids Walk Into a Bank for the first time. I read it and I told Kevin, I was like, nothing happens. Like it's just people talking. But the conversation is so realistic and the 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 dialogue is so hard hitting and just and just effective and funny and it just works on so many levels that nothing really needs to happen. Like I believe in the first issue, there's like a fight between like uh, the guy's daughter and one of the skeezy gang members or whatever. But that's basically it. But the book just feels so genuine and so real. And like there's real emotions and real uh, uh, real moments of humor. And like when you hear people speak in the book you go, I know someone that talks like that. Like I, I know someone exactly like that. And that's, and when you, when you're able to write a story or, or create a, a tale that can do that, that's when you're, you're doing your job effectively. And, and I would and say he does like, it perfectly. Like it's amazing. 
So I, I have two notes on that. Like stories, the way we digest them episodically, whether it be TV, movie, or comic books, like at least this is something that I think I could be completely wrong. The way we, the, the type of stories we want have gone from being plot driven, giant narratives, like these epics, to being character driven, dialogue based things. Like you look at the stories that are changing the mediums, whether they be The Wire, Sopranos, Mad Men, um, Breaking Bad. These Don't are forget, hey, 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 hey. Don't forget Six Feet Under. Six Feet Six, Under is, Six is, Feet Under is amazing. Six yeah. Feet Under is the bastard child of HBO programming because they, everybody always like glides right over it. But Six Feet Under was, at, towards the end, a far better program than Sopranos ever could imagine. Sopranos had like two good seasons and Six Feet Under has like this six season block of just like wonderful material. Every episode was fucking great. Well, I mean, it, it, it all comes down to critical acclaim and awards. So like when you mention things that are genre defining, I mentioned Sopranos and I'm not even a big that Sopranos. That shit sucks. I'm not, I, 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 mentioned, I mean, that show is awful. But it wins so many awards. Big deal. I mean, it's a popularity contest. Somebody was like, when, cause I didn't have cable for the longest time. And someone was like, dude, you got to watch Sopranos. It's awesome. And I remember the first episode of the Sopranos I watched was this, the, the Christopher Columbus day episode, the Columbus <laughs> day. And I was like, this is what everyone's talking about. This show is fucking terrible. That's what people would say. They got to start from the beginning. Vito threw a sandwich at me. Oh, you can't throw a sandwich at Vito. That's disrespectful. Like that was the plot line on the show. Yeah. Someone threw a sandwich at someone. I'm like, this is what's so amazing. This is garbage. <laughs> I could just go to any house in Long Island and see this. Like, what am I watching this for? <laughs> but like, I, I, like, that's perfect that you say that. Like, nothing big happened. Like, we're talking about is <laughs> an ego contest and, and the way they map that out over the episode. Oh. Like, it's it's character. But I mean, like, that, that's a character <laughs> drama. I understand what you're saying. Yeah, and, and so, like, things like that, like, those are type of stories that are becoming more interesting. I, it's like, it's a, it's a zeitgeist switch. No, it's the- really, it's, it's really wonderful, though, because I recently read um, Crisis on Infinite Earth. I just went back and picked up Crisis because I wanted to read it because it was something I've never read. It was something that I figured as a comic book fan I should read, and I read it, and it was literally about no one. like it's just like robert said it's just this big overarching kind of plot that isn't really about it's not a superman i guess the only person you could really say it was it's about flash and supergirl and that's kind of because they die but that's kind of it it's just a story it's just a big story it's not about you didn't even say spoiler alert yeah it's yeah (laughs) 30 year old spoiler alert if you haven't read crisis it doesn't matter because new 52 wiped away everything but it's about but it's really about nothing like there's it's not about a character Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, it's just it's just an event, you know. And I and I think maybe that's where some of the events that the big two are doing are kind of lacking because they're not really about character anymore. I would agree with that because you know? the books from the from from the Marvel line that I've been picking up since uh, anything happened and, and DC's rebirth are the ones that really focus on the character and they and they really get across that character um, because there's so many rich characters in comics that to ignore the characters in favor of a, a plot, unless you're Jonathan Hickman, um, that you probably, well, he, he does great character work. No, no, he's, he's great at both. Yeah. And that's, and that's yeah. a tough, you know, that's a tough thing to be great at both. So, so I, I tend to go, you know what? Like he's great at doing both. 
there's no way I'm going to be great at doing both or Bobby's going to be great at doing both. Dude, and I mean, like, it's on one thing. And his, his overarching arc of a story was like 94 issues that started back in his Fantastic Four fantastic, run. A dark rain crossover. Yeah. Fantastic rain, that Fantastic Four run begins in a dark rain crossover. Yeah. And and the same story doesn't end <laughs> until yeah. Secret Wars yeah. five years later. That's crazy. Like think about how many events that is that he just was plugging away on FF. Like because he said it's a dark rain crossover, so you have dark rain, fear itself, Avengers, Se- Avengers versus um, what's it called? Uh, uh, X Men. X Men. You have Siege. You've got he wrote uh, Infinity. Uh, so, I mean, it's just like there's seven, eight events that he's just writing the Fantastic Four and he's just building this story. And, and, and then you have Secret Wars. Did they have to participate in those events as well. So, like, they had to, he had to write stuff into there to, to do that. Because I, now, this is for me, I didn't read the Fantastic, but I know both of you guys have. So, I love it. I, well, I know you've always recommended it. And Robert has recommended it to me as well. Um, and it's not that I won't read it, it's just that I don't. Time right time. 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 I don't remember it being really event heavy. I th- um I know like the events going on outside of the the Fantastic Four really didn't affect them too too much. I kind of look at it the same way Peter David handled what X Factor Forever. How he was just kind of he was just kind of writing in his own bubble and like it seemed like while all of this crazy stuff was happening to mutants, he's just plugging along. Issue two hundred and four. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> well, you look at you look at Hickman's Secret Warriors, which was his first Marvel war. Oh. Yeah. First, yep. That book is plagued by crossovers. Like yes. all the crossovers that happen in the Marvel Universe have to take place with Secret Warriors because that book wasn't like a gangbuster seller um, from what they were looking for. So they looped it in with every like when 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 Ares dies, Phobos is his son, so that's a big thing in the book. Like every event ties into that, but Fantastic Four not so much. And just a little tidbit about Fantastic Four: that book when it first started. It didn't have World's Greatest Magazine on top. And so I forget what, who, was the, who was the editor-in-chief at the time. I can't remember if it was Joe Quesada or if it was Axel. No, it was Hick- much, I want to say it was much later than that. Yeah, I, I just can't remember, so I don't want to speak out of turn. But Hickman tells him, he was like, I want the, the title back. And he's like, well, you got to earn it. And so if you look at the, the Fantastic Four run, throughout it, it doesn't have the greatest, the world's greatest magazine, which it had during the Stan and Jack run. But by the end of the Hickman run, it has that because the sales numbers were there and because of everything, like how it became a centerpiece of the Marvel Universe. I could, I could read Hickman writing the Fantastic Four for the rest of my life. Forever. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, I could because like he just, he gets it. Like he understands the voices of the characters. Like in my mind and even so much too with like black panther now and i know that sounds weird because black panther has had this really long run uh with stealth freeze and coats or whoever is that his Stel name he's not writing a drawing up no book. but he was when i was he doing covers yeah well you know what i'm saying when they started together it was yeah. them two guys um i still wait i want that hickman voice i think hickman really hickman does a great job with reed with t'challa and with doom no one writes a better Doom, and I don't care what you tell me about Bendis's Doom. I like it, but Hickman's Doom was perfect. Well, they're they're different characters. Yeah, I mean, they are at this point now. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I, and then you were talking about something before. You were talking about dialogue, and um, this is something that, like, uh, Azarello talks about. Is like dialogue in comic books isn't 
supposed to imitate the way people speak. It's the illusion of the way people speak because you have to cram so much information into such a small small space. And and so like the these guys who are great at dialogue at the Azarellos of the world, um, all like just go on all the great people who Brian like, Michael Bendis, yeah, I, 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 yeah. They they have this thing where they have an ear for dialogue and how people speak, and then they're able to simulate like the cadences and the way people talk and and get across so much character and these little boxes on a page in a panel that's broken down uh, across twenty pages in a comic book and it's it's really the craft of it is absolutely amazing in terms of what they're able to do to push character arcs forward. It's really impressive. Interesting. Right. Um, no, I'm just laughing because you're, you're very passionate about that. So I wasn't laughing at you. I was laughing at the, the passion and then you had a very serious face. Afterwards. Robert, I mean, he loves this stuff. I mean, he wants to edit. So like, so you wanted to be, because there are people who get into comic books and they want to draw, they want to write, but you just want to edit. Like, how do you go about doing that? Like, what steps are you taking to get to that point? That's what I want to know. Exactly. Because I need to meet. I need to know some fucking editors. We need to know some editors <laughs> so, to make us look good. Yeah. So come on, baby, let's move it. <laughs> well, it, it, it's funny. Um, no editor actually does any uh, proofing. That was one of the big things that were because I have like a tertiary guy who I follow who has like like his his links or his tweets all get like that. You see all the chatter that happens with these Marvel Ooh. group editors and whatnot. Um, and what, what happens is like, none of them do line editing. No mm-hmm. one is going word for word. They, that doesn't matter. They don't, how do I mute this? Hold on. Uh, and it's funny cause it's Drew talking to all of us. So yeah. I'm hearing it. I'm hearing it like three times. I was like, Oh, <laughs> it's I'm okay. So no big deal. It's not a big deal. Um, we can edit that out. Yeah. I don't even, th- I don't even think you'll hear it. It's not okay. a problem. But like editors don't line edit. What they do is they're story editors, and what they're trying to do is get the best story from the talent and the creatives that they work with. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just honestly, what I do is I read books and I, I look at the editors and I try to follow them, and you just pick up what they talk about. Um, the Sitzer, Sitzer, I think his name is the guy who does the um, the the Viking podcast and All in One Go. And if he messes up, he um, he uh, he starts all over from the beginning. Lore, <laughs> I can't remember what his name is, and I'm sorry that I'm doing all people's disservice. But basically, what he, I asked him, I was like, because he was he was an editor for Marvel while he was in college. Wow. It's it's um. Uh, Citizen, you're talking about Aubrey. Citizen. Yeah, Aubrey Citizen is his name. Uh, he uh, he was editing while he was in college, and uh, I asked him what he did, and he was like, just go out there and ask people to edit, and um. He had the advantage of being in a in New York City, you know, where everything is based out of and housed. Um, hey, in this internet world we live in, man, there's there are writers and people looking for editors all the time, man. Like that's the first mistake I think most indie comic people make is they do not have an editor because you worry so much about the artwork and the colors and the the pencils and this and that and you're 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 pouring over all these details, but you can't grade and judge your own story you need someone else to do that and you're too close to it yeah you're too close i think the first the first time i felt like i ever was starting to get better as a as a writer as a creator was when i actually sought out 
edits. Like I was looking for them. And I know for a, a creator who's just starting, that's a very scary proposition because somebody could be like, wow, you're really fucking terrible at this. And you might be, but you have to get those pages out of you. You have to get that stuff out of you. Find an editor, find a freelance editor to edit your stuff. Whatever it costs, it's worth because your story will shine. They will, If they're a good editor, they will do their best to bring out the shine in your work. Right, Robert? I, I absolutely agree. And I, I think, um, I mean, I'm just going to say it. No, no one came out of uh, Zeus's head fully formed like Athena. You know, there are very few Jonathan. Only, only, only Neil Gaiman. Only yeah, Neil Gaiman. I, yeah, Neil Gaiman. That, that <laughs> might be it. But the, like the, the people who make indie comic books without an editor um, and that have great successful books that seem like they don't need an editor are few and far between. But the thing is, you have that like trust, like trying to come in as a third party on someone else's story idea that they craft in their free time and giving them edits and not doing like the line edits, but actually talking about story and crafting a story. Like how can we get to the points faster? How can we make this dialogue better? Like people don't let you in to do that unless they trust you, Mm -hmm. you know? And when you do that, especially with a group of friends, like people that, you know, it, it, it is, Am I willing to damage the relationship of my friends for real edits that I might have for stories? That's why I think it's easier to get someone you don't know to bring someone in to do it because they don't give a shit about you. They're just there to make your story better, if that but, makes sense. But then why would they listen to you? Like, so, I mean, like you go out looking for these, editor, for these editing jobs, and then when people send you scripts and they want feedback, and you give them feedback, and you never hear from them again. And, like, talking well, about unpaid gigs. Well, that's because it's hard it's it's tough because some some writers say they okay here here's the thing and th- and this is something that that I, i'm almost loath to say but it's true um some writers say they want edits but what they really want is is the is the pat on the back they yes. want they're expecting a pat on the back from you as an editor like oh you did great like that's what they really want to hear uh, and then there's guys like like uh i would say this is one reason why bobby and i are very simpatico is because when he gave me stuff of his to read and I would tell him what was good and what was bad, he would be like, I can see what you're saying. Or that's good. Yeah. That's a good note. That's I, I really like, uh, and then I would give him stuff of mine to read and he would give me likewise notes. And I'd be like, yeah, that's true. Like, because neither one of us were looking for the other one to pat. Uh, we weren't trying to pat each other on the back. We were trying to, I was trying to make him uh, see where, where I was coming from in his story, like why this might be necessary, unnecessary, and vice versa. And that's what you really need to go into it with, I believe, as a as a writer, uh, is the idea that the editor's not there to pat you on the back. They're mm-hmm. there to make sure your story's clear, mm-hmm. to make sure that you're telling a good story, and to make sure you're not wasting the reader's time. The yeah. editor is there to make you better. Right. And, and that's how, and that's yeah. how they're going to make you better. They're going to look at your story want, and be like, this is unclear or this, I don't think we need this scene here because it doesn't do anything. If this you want compliments on your comic book script, show it to your mama and let her tell you how <laughs> proud of her she is. And that's, that's where you're going to get that. If you want real honest critiques, hire an editor. Hire a freelance editor. Robert has his services. He is willing to do that for you. He knows a lot about the medium. He has a passion for it. He's willing to do the work. And that's what you have to do. You know, you have to find an edit. My scripts were 
were they were okay. It was decent, but I really started to get better once I had someone reading my scripts going, I don't know if this makes sense. I don't know if this makes sense. What are you trying to say here? Because it's clear to you as the writer because you crafted the fucking story. But if it doesn't translate to the reader, then you're failing miserably. Right. And and I think a lot of people like and this is where like I gotta be critical of the genre, uh, or the medium. Uh the line between people who create comic books and the line between fans is almost too porous. You know, and, and so you have a lot of fans who want to be creators. And so when you talk to them about their work, they're too precious about it. You know, and, and that's why, like, some of the best people in comic books never read comic books as a child. Didn't, you know, they don't, they don't have, um, they were, at least they weren't reading comic books when they were creating. You know, and, and they're able to take edits and everything a little bit better because they they aren't as precious about it um, when it comes to their craft. And I I think because there's like no academy, no there's no consensus on what makes a story great, which is a good thing and a bad thing. That sometimes the way people want to get there is different. And so when you say to someone, this doesn't serve the story, they're like, yes, it does because of X, Y, Z. And you said, this is a scene that doesn't work because it doesn't serve the story and it's this page filler. And then they don't change it. They don't move it. They don't do anything because you disagree. And how do you, how do you solve a story argument? Um, well, a suggestion for that would be if, if they're hiring you as an editor, then they have to know in their mind, first of all, that what they want to do is improve the story. And if they're not going to listen to you, then what what I would say you do at, at the level you're at is withdraw the service. You, you, that's the quickest way to, I mean, because you, basically you're going to tell them, I can't help you make your story better because you don't want my help. Yeah, it's already perfect then. What do you need right. me for? <laughs> exactly. I don't know why you hired me. So like, yeah. that's what I would say. If I, if it was, if it was me, I know I can't edit anything. So I would say I, I'm much well, better. I don't at- think that's true. I mean, because like there are scripts, because Kevin and I, when we work together, there are scripts that like I won't write. I'll just come in and edit dialogue or pacing or and, and, and vice versa. You know what I'm saying? Like I may add a line or two of dialogue here and there, but I mean like the Kong Fu book we're doing, you wrote most of that thing. I just kind of came in, we plotted it together. I kind of came in when the script was done and said, let's move this around. Let's change this perspective. Let's add a couple lines. And that was it. And you've done the same thing to me. So yeah. I mean, editing it's I mean, I think that is, a, is, is an edit. Those are edits within themselves. It's not. As- I would say, well, that's one thing that we're, that we're, Okay, like having worked with other people on writing things, and you have, and you have too. Um, I think that's where the hard part of co-writing comes in, um, because sometimes you're you're not going to agree. But when we don't agree on something, we try to find the the, the midpoint yeah. of where we, we're disagreeing at, and see where what makes it better. Which 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 point makes this better? Like mm-hmm. which which way do we go that makes this better? But we, but we also too have an editor that we use. Yes. You know, so I mean, like we also have our own guy who kind of does what he wants to do and kind of makes his uh, his, his packet slashes, yeah. and that's cool too. I mean, I'm down with it. But like the cool part of, with us uh, having a writing partner is, like I said, Kevin will write something, I'll edit it. And then we'll send it to the editor. So, I mean, like, we, we go through with our editor. We have uh, by a guy by the name of Sean Greenleaf, who I'd like to have on the pod as well. Um, we have three steps. He does three edits of the script. But before it even gets to him, it's already been edited. 
You know what I mean? So yeah. it's just kind of one of those things that like you can never have enough because like you said, the, there is no kind of right way to do it, but sometimes you have to kind of find the way to do it. And sometimes yeah. it, it's harder than others, you know? You also have to listen to what they say because there's times when Sean goes, I don't understand what this point is here. Like what is the point of this combo? And when you explain it, sometimes he goes, that's cool. And then there's one time where he goes, I like the idea, but it doesn't need to be two pages. Just make it one. Yeah. Like, stuff like that. So he's like, that could just be a page. He's like, move on to the next point here. Like, so I was like, oh, I get that. I, I can see what you're saying. Like, that's I like your, the two pages. That's your own vanity sometimes. You well, know? I, I just like, I like characters talking. And then like, um, I think, I think you get the most out of character when two characters talk. Um, and I, I tend to be long-winded with some characters that they if they tend to be long-winded so that um the kung fu book that you were just talking about that was really hard to write at times because the main character she she's not very um she doesn't really she's not very expressive until the end of the book so you go through the book with with her expressing stuff but being closed she's even closed to the reader and that was like that's hard to write because i'm like i'm trying to keep her closed off like um Kevin likes people talking? You don't say. <laughs> what? <laughs> hey, man. No. Now, Robert, if if I am a creator, if I'm a comic book creator, and I'm new at this, and I want to hire you as an editor, what would I have to do? Where could I find you? On the Facebook, on the Twitter? Where would be the best place to get in touch with you? Yeah, so you can you can find me on uh, Facebook at Robert, Coff- Robert Lee Jefferson Coffle. You can find me on... Uh, Twitter at Robert Koffel, uh, on Instagram, the same thing. I keep it simple. Uh, my first name is very common, but my last name is uh, pretty unique. So it's C-O-F-F-I-L. You type in Robert Koffel. I'm usually the only one who ever pops up. So. And then you're on Twitter. It's like the Gentleman Warlock or something like that? <laughs> yeah, that's the handle, though. But it's like it's Gentleman Warlock at Robert Koffel. So. All right, all right, all right. Yeah. And, and, and where does Gentleman Warlock come from? Kevin and this love of stories, right? Do you see why he's a writer here now? Uh, because uh, hey, hey, you're spinning yarns about yourself. It's great. The the Wu Tang name generator. Ah, uh, like, yes. It's like it's like Childish Gambino. He put his name in once, and Donald Glover got out Childish Gambino, and that was his rap moniker ever since. And uh, I put my name in, and that was the first one that came out. And I never looked back. Yeah, I'm the I'm insane samurai. Yeah, <laughs> kind of dumb, but whatever. Sarcastic <laughs> professional. That was I, that's a perfect descriptor for you, actually. <laughs> now, um, are you excited this weekend that the English Premier League starts? Because it's not just all all comics for you. You're a big soccer guy too, right? You're an Everton supporter. You're a toffee. Yeah, come on, you blues, man. I've been following close this summer. Um, kind of breaks my heart that uh, uh, Barkley doesn't want to play for his home team anymore even though they stayed with him after he broke his leg in two points when he was 16, but whatever, no loyalty in the common game. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, I love, I love good soccer. Um, and I am an Everton fan, but I love watching um, soccer as meant to be played. Uh, you play soccer the best in England. <laughs> you, you know, actually, I think, I think Arsenal have a good. You love me, say that you love me all of the time. I, I like the way the that Manchester Say that you need me, say that you need me all of the time, all of the time. That's Guardiola at Manchester City. Guardiola, we love Guardiola. Yep, that's our man. You're, I, I know you're a secret Man City fan. I know it. I know you're a secret Man City. Fan. Well, they play good football. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't like them if they were. If they were. If they were Burnley, I wouldn't be talking about Manchester City the way I talk about Manchester City. But I mean, they got the best players in England, or well, 
They have the most expensive players. Well, no, they, that's not true. Paul Pogba costs more than – I mean, look at Pogba and your boy Lukaku who they got rid of. Those dudes are – woo! How much do <laughs> you pay for Kyle Walker? Uh, fifty million. He's English. If he was, if Kyle Walker was from Nigeria, he'd be thirty million. Yeah. It's just, he's English, so you pay a premium. How much did they pay for Lukaku? They paid seventy-eight million dollars or something like that for a guy whose first touch is dog shit. But he scores goals. He scores <laughs> goals. I'm worried about them. I think they're going to be good this year, man. I think United's going to be good. You know what they're going to play? They're going to play long ball, and they're going to yeah, play good yeah. defense. Oh, yeah, they're going to play – yeah, yeah. Lukaku on the field, they're playing – it's going to be all long ball bullshit. It's, it's embarrassing. <laughs> I watched the, the Manchester City Real Madrid game um, last night because I recorded it. Oh, the United and, one, yeah. And, and, and Real Madrid were a class above Man yeah. City. Man um, United. United. Yeah. Man United, I'm sorry. And it was actually embarrassing to watch. Because the Real Madrid players were laughing at the United players. <laughs> I was like, this is crazy. I've, yeah. I've never seen anything like that before. It was They were laughing at them while they were playing soccer. It's funny. Yeah, you it was look, bad. Tony Cruz laughs at Lukaku because he runs after a ball even after it's offsides. <laughs> it's clearly offsides. <laughs> well, I mean, I watched it. It looked like a back pass, but Tony Cruz, the German, had a good laugh. He had yeah. a good hearty chuckle. So, um, what are you? Where are you guys going to finish in in the in the standings this year in the table? You going to be top ten? You going to you might sniff a Europa League spot? What well, we're, we're in Europa now. We finished seven last year, which is our best finish in two years. Um, really, what they're really pushing for, you can tell by the purchases and you can tell by the investment from the Chinese investors that what they're looking for is to finish in a top four place. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I mean, but we spent. I mean, we spent the money that we made off selling Lukaku. Yeah. Um, but then the investment in like youth players and everything. Like, you look at the young talent we're bringing in, and you're looking at you look at the players we brought in. Like, they want to win, and they want to win now. Like, we brought in Davy Klassen and everything. So. What about Sigerson? I heard you guys were going after Sigerson. Did he turn you guys down from Swansea? Well, no, he's not going to play Swansea's first game. Really? So he may go to. He may end up in Everton. There's a lot of guys sitting out that first game. A Man, lot of guys sitting out. But it's stupid. Like, you're going to pay $50 million for a 28-year-old? But he's – I mean, Sigerson's a damn good player. No, he's – okay, so he's class from free kicks. Like, he's class from the dead ball situation. He's absolute class. But you look at the numbers. Barkley actually created more chances from open play than Gilfie Sigurdsson. I hate Ross Barkley. That guy is – I. you know my feelings on Ross Barkley. Well, he doesn't Kevin want to has, play for a lot of has no idea what we're talking about. I, I don't. That's why I haven't said anything, but it's cool. <laughs> like, he doesn't like, want to play from, for, for – I'll just I'll just say this and leave it dead. He doesn't want to play for Ronald Coleman because yeah. Ronald, Ronald, Ronald Coleman asked things of, of Ross Barkley that he doesn't want to do on the pitch. Ross Barkley was paying out left, out wide, and he's obviously a midfielder. Yeah. What are you doing with him? I don't know. And he and like Ross is not the type of guy who wants to sacrifice for the team. No. Like if you put Suarez in a position like that, he's going to run his heart out. You put one of those guys, uh, uh, Edison Cavani, out left, he will sacrifice for the team for two years to get a shot. Ross isn't that type of player because he doesn't have to be because he knows someone's going to pay him a hundred thousand dollars a week to sit on their bench. Yeah. I remember when City was interested in him. I'm so glad we didn't get Ross Barkley because I, I tell you this all the time. He's the bizarro Raheem Sterling. <laughs> and I mean that Raheem Sterling is an excellent footballer. He's a great football player. Yeah. Um, he normally plays pretty well, but the media in England hates his guts because he left Liverpool to go to a Manchester City squad to play for trophies and to win and for money. 
um, so that the English media hates him. Ross Barkley is doing the exact same thing, plays like shit most of the time, but when he has a great game, he's the, everybody loves him. And we also have one good game out of three, and you'll be hearing about that one good game. Okay, for weeks, you know? Yeah. You know, I, I'm not a fan. Coleman was benching him. Coleman yeah. benched Ross a couple of times, and Ross wasn't having it. I'm surprised your boy didn't go to, uh, to Barcelona. I'm surprised he wasn't mentioned in their coaching search. Coleman? Yeah. Well, Because he's a Barcelona guy. He is. He played center back for Barcelona. But the thing is, I, I think what happened is the owners of Everton sold to those Chinese investors – for the for for money for money up front, and what what they what they were able to convince them, which is why they went with Valverde, who's the uh, who was the Atletico Bilbao coach before he came to um, Barcelona, was because if you're able to convince Coleman that he will have a chance at gaining some glory, some winning something from the type of money he's going to be able to see, was able to spend the summer, he'll stay. Yeah, and and I mean he brought in a player from I think it was Ajax. I'm I keep mentioning Davy Claus's name because watch out for him. The kid is deadly. I'm I'm telling like in terms of being a midfielding uh, midfield general, the kid is going to be deadly. All right, and then you'll sell him in four years. <laughs> probably two, probably two. Yeah. <laughs> How is FIFA 18? I saw you've got the FIFA 18 beta. How's that? Well, it's actually on my TV in the background. If you can. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look, I can't see it. Okay, all right. Yeah. <laughs> I um. He had to pause his game because we, we interrupted him. I did. He um, was losing. <laughs> what they did is they made it a lot more new user-friendly, and I think that comes from with NBC purchasing the Premier League, with Fox Sports purchasing the Bundesliga and um, playing more games. They're looking to bring in more casual fans. Yeah. And so I've never seen it before where it details where your pass is going to go, but I'm absolutely crushing fools on Because uh, <laughs> I could tell where my pass is going to go. And I was like, oh, they've made it easier. And people were like, he's cheating. He's cheating. I wonder, I wonder <laughs> if you can take that off. I don't, I mean, I, I tried. I didn't want it. Yeah. Interesting. So. Interesting. Okay. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, uh, Everton, you're a toffee. Are you happy that your boys... <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I, th- I thought we said back to comics. What you it mean? is. We're talking about everything. All right. Now, are you happy that Coutinho is leaving uh, Liverpool? I don't know if he's going to leave. Come on, dude. It's $120 million bucks for a guy who shows up every other game. You take, that money, no. take that money they, every day. They rejected the $120 million. <sighs> Stupid. What kind of world do we live it in? It's it's actually not real money. Yes, yeah, <laughs> so joking. Money. I'm just joking. Uh, the, so uh, I heard PSG wrote a check for that 225 million. <laughs> hey, uh, don't cash this for a couple weeks. They ca- they wrote a check. That is insane. That's why Barcelona want to spend it so quick. They're like, this is a check, and 225 million euro in Spain. We got to get rid of this. Yeah. We have to get rid of this. So, all right. So again, if someone wants to hire you, Robert, the place to hit you up on is at Twitter. Well, I was gonna let him plug his uh, the, the talk about Rogue's Portal a little okay, bit. Yeah, talk about that too, man. You reviewing books? Tell us about that. Tell us about Rogue's Portal. Like, how'd you get that job, and and what did, what does Rogue's Portal do for people who aren't familiar with Rogue's Portal? Yeah, what we do is uh, we're basically a scaled down version of CBR. Um, so they like CBR has all those interviews. Like they have an interview a day. They have a bunch of reviews and everything. So we, we review comic books. We interview creators. You have an interview to War Bros. <laughs> well, we're we're kind of nobodies at this I point. know. I was being... <laughs> well, I mean, now, if y'all want to talk, we can, we can well, talk. Well, we, we have no problems talking. You should know that. 
Yeah, no. Um, uh, we do interviews. I, I came in because I go to a comic book shop that has a great sense of community. Heroes. Oh, and really? Villains. What comic book shop do you go to? Heroes and Villains, owned by Richard Trinkle in Hampton. The guy um, fosters a great sense of community, and I, I met a guy there who was looking for contributors for the website. Um, now he's moved on uh, just today, actually, which is a sad thing. Moved on to a different website. But um, he brought me in, and it's something I'm very proud to be a part of and uh, hope to be a part of for a long time going forward. Good, man. That's good. Nice. I'm glad to hear it. Uh, you're, you're, a very, you're a very good dude. You, you think about comics the way most people don't. Uh, you're very creative in your own way. Again, you're not creative in the sense that you're going to write you know, a, a book, but you're definitely a part of the process, and you're a wonderful guy. And we, we we're like a you. passionate guy. We love yeah. you. You're a great dude, Robert. Thank you. That um, that means a lot. Thank you, guys. I, that I thank you for having me on. What you what you guys are doing here with your passion and um, trying to create comic books it's it's actually very noble, very yeah, noble. Whatever, um, man. No, I, I mean that. I I, I think um, a lot of times people see other what what seems like an immediate rise to success, and they don't see how much grinding people are doing in the background. With the clips, son. We the clips. <laughs> no, and what you what you guys are doing with this podcast is you're literally documenting your grind on a week by week basis, and it's when you when you listen to it in an extended form, it's it's really interesting because to hear what you guys talk about in the first podcast to what you guys are talking about now in terms of story and craft is it's very interesting in term and to see where you guys have come just in this short period of time. Thanks, Robert. Well, thank you. Man. Yeah, he maybe he maybe he did. I, I got a little oh, red, a little and shiny. it's easy to see on me because I'm pale as fuck. Yeah, shiny, <laughs> shiny. All right, Robert. Well, thank you very much. Thank uh, you, uh, who are you guys playing Saturday? Stoke. Oh, right. is that going to be on the NBC Gold? Are you getting fucked with that one or what? Or what? That... What? I don't know anything. What you're talking about? Ooh, NBC. I'll have to talk about. It. I'll tell you about that after. Um, so there you go, everybody. Uh, Robert. Cough. How do you pronounce your last name? Cough. Robert Coffle. Thanks, buddy. Thank you for having me. It's Thank you, Robert. Love you, man. Love you guys, too. That was Robert Coffle. He is a reviewer and a, a, a would-be editor um, for – he is a re- reviewer for Rogue's Portal and a would-be editor for anybody who's looking for an editor. He's a hired gun, bro. And like we were saying during the podcast, if you want to make your book better, if you want to make your script shine, do yourself a favor. Don't let your girlfriend read it because she might not be honest with you. Hire an editor. Hire someone like Robert. They're, they're editors, freelance comic book editors all over Twitter. Do yourself a favor and find one of them. Because like I said, I think my work suffered for quite a long time because I never had an editor. Once I started hit, hit, uh, hanging out with Exner, Mike Exner III, him and I started sharing ideas and kicking scripts around and asking him if this works and letting him read stuff. My work got a lot better. So, um, so yeah, edit, editing is important. And it's friend. very important to comics, guys. So, mm-hmm. And, uh, well, that will do it for another wonderful episode of War Bros. Sorry about last week, but I was on vacation. Uh, We didn't have a chance to line up a guest or anything like that. Uh, But yeah, so we're back, and we'll be back for the foreseeable future. As long as you guys keep listening, we'll keep doing it. So, Matt, thanks for listening, guys. We appreciate it. Have a great day. Salute.
you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast, thewordbros.com.